I want to welcome you into the Sunday Preaching Podcast of the Point Church, located in beautiful Perdido Key, Florida. I'm Tim Coleman, the senior pastor, and we believe strongly in the expositional preaching of God's Word that builds our faith and grows us up in Christ. I'm glad you're either downloading the sermon or listening live to our service, and I pray that this message is a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join me as we get to the point. Have you enjoyed the worship tonight? Just thinking about Christ and what he did for us on the cross. Uh, it gets us ready for the preaching of the word. You know, the elements of worship uh, are prayer, reading the scriptures, uh, singing together, and then to get in the scriptures. And I'm delighted uh, tonight that we have with us uh, Pastor Brian Branham. Brian and I met back in the early 90s uh, when we were in uh, Bible college working on our undergrad degrees. Uh, we went through homiletics class together and, uh, and a few others and uh, kind of went our separate ways from there, stayed in touch somewhat through the years. I eventually uh, graduated from New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, and now he pastors the Liberty Baptist Church in Chatworth, Georgia, up in the North Georgia part. Just hit me a minute ago. We had a Georgia boy last year for Equip Weekend, and uh, we need to go to Tennessee or something next year, right? But uh, no, I love Brian. Uh, some of you may remember back when we were doing uh, devotions every day during the pandemic, every morning. Uh, one morning, Brian came on there with me, and we had a chat time and a prayer time together and just enjoy fellowshipping with him and uh, thankful that he could come and be with us. So I want you to get your Bible, get your phone, get your tablet. I jokingly said to him before we walked out of the office, uh, are we going to need our Bibles tonight? I was only kidding, of course. You're going to need it, all right? Would you join me in uh, welcoming Pastor Brian Branham as he comes to preach for us tonight? Hey, when I, when I walked into the, the meal tonight and I saw fried chicken and mashed potatoes, I knew the Lord was in this place, right? I knew we had it. I forgot a very important detail. What'd you do? Time out. What'd you do? All of our kids, K-5 through 38. Hey, they can stay. He's going, he's going to preach a long time. Tonight. Yeah. We'll see y'all in about an hour and a half. How's that? Now the parents go right with them, right? And I forgot Pastor Joe told me to mention, parents, don't forget all of the kids will be singing tomorrow night in the service, and they need to be here at 545. I was supposed to announce that before we dismissed them. Cool. So, yeah, Tim and I, man, we go back last century, and I think I have this right. I, I think I, I have this right, but the, the school used to give out, Tennessee Temple gave out two preaching awards a year. One was the, the Lee Robertson Award, and the other was the Warren Wearsby Award. I think you got the Warren Wearsby one, the, and I got the Lee Robertson one the same year. Wasn't that right? So he was always a lot better preacher than I am, and y'all are about to find that out. But, man, I, I just it's so cool to, to be with Pastor Tim, his family. We had the Reverend Mother is here. Man, I, I, hey. I, I go to church with my mama too. I know what that's like. So, so they asked me, they said, is it weird going to, to church with your mom? I said, yeah. When you go to church and there's one person in the congregation who still don't mind spanking you, yeah, that's kind of weird. When you're 48 years old and you still get a whipping before you go out the back door. I told you not to. Anyway, that still happens to me. So, I, I, yeah, so I'm from Chatsworth, Georgia. Uh, you probably know, you probably never heard of Chatsworth. you probably heard of Dalton. 
if you don't know anything about Dalton, there's probably somebody in our church that made the floor that you're walking on right there. Somebody was involved in that process. That's what our area does is flooring. We are as far up in, in Georgia as you can go. We are on the border of Tennessee. You guys have the floor of Bama, right? We have Tenga, all right? That's, that's where we are. So uh, anyway, but if you're ever in that area of the world, if you guys want to see these things that are called hills and mountains, you, you come see us. You, you all have the beautiful beaches. We have the beautiful mountains up there. But tonight I want you to turn your Bible to uh, 1 Kings chapter 13. 1 Kings chapter 13. While you're turning your Bible over there, um, my wife Shannon, uh, she wasn't able to be with us this weekend. She so wanted to be here. She was born uh, in Fort Walton Beach and spent uh, the first part of her life until the ninth grade in Panama City. Uh, her mother uh, served with a pastor for 35 years and his family named uh, Dr. Bradley Price. Some of y'all may have remembered them if you've long time in this area. She went to the old Panama City Christian School. So uh, she's, a, she's, she's a panhandle girl. She's a beach girl. And uh, a lot of her family is in Bonifay. And so uh, she has a lot of ties into this area. But um, my, my youngest daughter, Kylie, uh, she is about to graduate high school and is going to be a theater major at Shorter University in Rome, Georgia. And they are doing their, her last high school performance. They're doing the, the play Hairspray this weekend. And uh, man, we, I got to see it last night. It was incredible. So uh, Shannon stayed home with her. And then we have another daughter. Uh, who is going to graduate uh, the University of West Georgia here in a couple of weeks. So I've got one graduating high school uh, or graduating college one weekend and another one graduating high school the very next weekend at the end of May. So it's an exciting time but a busy time for our family. But Morgan and her husband Cameron, they live in Atlanta. And uh, Morgan's going to be a nurse. And uh, her husband uh, Cameron works for Brassfield and Gorey there. And they're looking for a house, and we are praying that they will find somewhere on the north end of town away from all that traffic. But good luck with that, right? So let's talk about 1 Kings chapter 13. Tonight I want to talk about being deceived, the danger of being deceived and devoured. The Bible says, Behold, a man of God came out of Judah by the word of the Lord to Bethel. Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make offerings. Man of God puts you in elite company in the Bible. Moses is the first to be called the man of God. Elijah and Elisha are both known as man of God. The man of God manifests the word of God. He is the walking word of God. God does powerful things through the man of God. And so this unnamed man of God is in very elite company. And he does a mighty thing, as men of God would do. The man of God cried against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, O altar, thus says the Lord. Behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name. So 300 years before Josiah is born, this man is predicting him to come by name. He shall sacrifice on you the priests of the high places who make offerings on you, and human bones will be burned on you. 
And he gave a sign the same day saying, This is the sign that the Lord has spoken. Behold, this altar shall be torn down and the ashes that are on it shall be poured out. And when the king heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar at Bethel, Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar saying, Seize him! And his hand, which he stretched out against him, dried up. It literally died on the end of his arm so that he, he could not draw it back to himself. And the altar was also turned down and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign that the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. That's an amazing thing to happen. And it happened just like the man of God said it would happen. And we read stories like that and we think, wow, the power of God and what an impact it would make on our godless pagan generation to see the word of God that manifest in its power to, to literally read it and see it come true. And, and we so wish for an experience with God like that, don't we? Because we think what a difference that would make. In a world like this, to see faith that tangible, we read that and we go, man, that's, that's Old Testament stuff. God doesn't, doesn't work like that anymore. He doesn't really. I beg to differ. The Bible uses man of God twice in the New Testament. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you are called and about which you are to make a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And how many times have we had our children quote 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17? All Scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. What? That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God still wants to use the lives of people to manifest the power of the Word of God in this generation. And He still does it. I've seen it. The last five years for the Branham family have been like... Man, I know you guys get the hurricanes. We get a lot of tornadoes in our area. But it's been like, uh, our life has been like a tornado warning every other day for the last five years. It's been like walking through a dark cloud. My wife has lost both of her parents in the last 15 months. Her mother was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of, of breast cancer just, just a year Two years ago, she passed away three weeks before my daughter's wedding. My wife is so close to her mom. 
And, and whenever that diagnosis hit our house, man, we went from like just a lot of fun and laughter in our home to just it being just really hard for a long time. And Shannon began to pray and she began to study the gift of faith. You know, the Bible talks about the gift of faith. And she began to study that and to explore that. And she began to pray that the Lord would increase our faith. And I, I, I prayed that along with her. Yes, let's, let's pray that, that the Lord would increase our faith and that he would show us what to do. And she was so dry in that season of time. She was mad at God and she had a lot of questions. And man, her, her faith and the version of faith that she had for many years, it was almost like God just kind of took everything and just wadded it up and threw it in the trash can and left her just wondering, okay, what now? Even to the, if you've ever been there, you don't even know what to pray. And that's where my wife's been. She's, she's been so hurt and just... just crying and weeping and not knowing what even to say to the Lord. And the Lord showed her, I'm, I'm going to just pray scripture. She would just get in the Bible and she would be reading it and the Lord would give her a scripture to pray. I mean, it would be like it, it, she'd read two or three chapters and there'd be two or three verses and it would be like God said, you're going to pray that this week. And so she would mark it. And she prayed different things, and one of the passages that really struck her was Isaiah 43, 2. It says, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. And the flame will not consume you. And so the Holy Spirit gave her that verse and said, pray that over your mother. Did we desire for her to be healed? You better believe we did. The Lord did not heal her. As a matter of fact, the, the cancer became more aggressive and it spread throughout her body. It went into her spine. It went into her bones. We didn't realize until later in things after she had a seizure, she had five large tumors in her brain. She had a midline shift in her brain that should have killed her even through all of that. I mean... All of these things that she was experiencing should have been incredibly painful. But for a year, Shannon would pray, God, if you're, if you're not going to heal my mother, I pray that she could walk through the fire and not be burned. Just please don't let her experience pain. She never took pain medicine. And her body was racked with cancer. She never lost her joy. She never lost her smile. She never complained. Never a negative word came out of her mouth. It was the most amazing thing. She never grimaced. She never moaned. It was amazing. She walked through the fire and she wasn't burned. The last week of February on a Wednesday, her dad was diagnosed with leukemia. Aggressive leukemia. And Shannon began to pray, Isaiah 43, 2, over her dad. And she prayed, just the Lord, please don't let him suffer and go through these things. And man, the emotions of our family during all this time. And, and she prayed, just God, just if, 
please don't let him suffer. He passed away four weeks to the day on a Wednesday. He was diagnosed the last week of February. He passed away the last week of March. The day of his diagnosis, they had a conversation and they said their goodbyes. He didn't remember his diagnosis a single day after that. He had no idea how sick he was. He had so much joy in him. He, he, he probably felt better the last 30 days of his life than he had in 30 years. He had had six heart attacks. He didn't die of a heart attack. We figured he'd die of a heart attack. He didn't die of a heart attack. It was incredible. He came off of all his medicine. He began feeling better than he... The last 30 days of his life, he probably felt better than he had for the last 30 years. It was an incredible thing to see and to watch. And Shannon prayed he wouldn't suffer, that God would take him quickly. We signed the paper to put him on hospice at 1.30. He was in heaven by 4.30. He was on hospice three hours. <laughs> That's got to be like a world record. I mean, I've never even heard of anything like that. But we saw God do amazing things through that, and the Lord increased our faith. And it wasn't all morbid. There's been other things. I'll tell you about more of them tomorrow night. Amazing things that God has been doing. But He's been showing us how to, how to pray Scripture and believe the Word of God that it will be manifest in this world. Our church, we relocated to a new campus four years ago. The third floor of the building is what we call the connect floors for our students. And it was an unfinished space in that building. And this was, this was right kind of as we were going into COVID. And I was telling Tim, we had a, a Sunday night service that COVID kind of killed that I really liked. And that was kind of our prayer time. And things were going really well in that. And so one of the things that we would do in that service, we would have corporate prayer. So everybody would come up in the altar, man, and I'd be up here and I'd be kneeling down and and, and we just start praying about different needs, different things in our lives, different things in our church. It was just a really beautiful time. And, and the Lord was doing some amazing things in our church through answering those prayers. And I really felt impressed one Sunday night. We needed about $100,000. After I tell this story, your pastor is going to feel impressed to pray for $100,000. But we, we needed $100,000 to to finish this third floor of this building. And I really felt impressed by the Holy Spirit of God to, to tell the people, hey, tonight I want us to pray that we would get this $100,000 by the end of the month. I mean, it was like two weeks. I said, hey, it's time to finish this thing. Man, I, I don't know where it's going to come from, but I feel impressed to pray for $100,000 that God would give it quickly. And we're Baptists, y'all. We're not Pentecostal, right? And you could hear the Baptists. I mean, some of our best people, we're all right down here real close. I heard them go, ooh. <laughs> it was one of those things like, all right, all right, Brian, we'll pray it, right? But who knows, right? So, so we start praying about it. The last guy to pray is a guy in our church named Aaron David. What a great name, Aaron David, right? And Aaron David stands up and he prays. You remember in the, 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 the book of Exodus when Moses asked for the pieces, the, the offerings for the tabernacle, and they bring all the offerings for the tabernacle, and then he tells them to stop because you bring too much, we have enough. Listen, Aaron David literally stood up and prayed. The end of that prayer, he said, God, let it be like it was in the days of Moses when the people brought too much and, and we have to stop 
because we have enough. He literally he, he prayed that prayer and he said those words. We close the service out. We do what Branham's do on Sunday night after church. We go to the Mexican restaurant, man. That's what, that's what we do every Sunday night. My daughter Kylie calls it Sierra Sunday, man. As we're headed there, right? So we have a good meal. We're coming back. And, and on our way back, our finance secretary, Melissa, she calls me. And she wasn't at church that day because she was sick. So she came in after everybody left and got the deposits to take them to the bank. And she calls me and she said, hey, are you sitting down? That is not what you want to say to a pastor on a Sunday night, all right? That, that, is, that is a terrible way to start a phone call. Don't ever do that to him, right? You don't start, are you sitting down? I was like, oh. and man, I went, I went into total Eeyore mode, right? Well, what now, right? I mean, it was, it was that, I thought, here we go. We, something else has happened, right? She goes, no, no, no. She says, this is good. Now, remember, she wasn't there that day. She said, this morning, somebody called me and told me that they were going to put an offering in the church for the youth space in the morning. She said, I had no, they didn't tell me how much it was, but she told me that offering was going to be there. She said, Brian, I went and I opened it up. Guess how much it was? $100,000. Right? I was like, what? And listen, then she says, I promise you, Brian, we don't need any more offerings. We have enough. She said that. Listen, she said exactly what the guy prayed, and she wasn't there. Right? I was just blown away. I get off the phone. Shannon goes, what happened? I told her. She goes... Let me give you one more part of that. She goes, wait till we get home. I've got something to show you. We get home. She opens her Bible, marked in her Bible. She said, this is the verse God gave me to pray this week. It's Isaiah 65, 24. You ready for this? Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. That's God. That's undeniable manifestations that God desires to do powerful things through people who will just believe His Word and perform it. He's searching for men and women of God whose heart is wholly His that He can do amazing things through in this generation. Our God does mighty things. So we read on. This amazing thing happens. The king kind of has a, a moment of clarity. It's almost like he's becoming repentant now because he's just seen his hand die on the, on the end of his hand. And then look at, at verse 6. The king said to the man, Entreat now the favor of the Lord your God. Pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. And the man of God entreated the Lord. And the king's hand was restored to him as it was before. So it's like the king's going to have him a little revival here. Verse 7, the king said to the man of God, Come home with me. Refresh yourself. I'll give you a reward. 
I love this. The man of God said to the king, you give me half your house. I'm not going with you. And I will not eat bread and I will not drink water in this place. For so it was, and watch this, commanded me by the word of the Lord. You will neither eat bread nor drink water nor return by the way you came. So he went another way and he did not return by the way that he came to Bethel. He did what God said. That's what a man of God does. That's what a woman of God does. Now, when you start to really follow the Lord, be careful because the deceivers will now come after you. Now an old prophet lived in Bethel. And his sons came and told him all that the man of God had done in Bethel. So he's real curious about this man. So he gets on his donkey, he goes and he finds a man. And look at this, verse 15. He said to him, come home with me and eat bread. The exact same thing the king invited him to. What does the man of God say? He said, I may not return with you or go with you, neither will I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. For so it was said to me, here it is again, by the word of the Lord, you shall not eat bread or drink water there, nor return by the way you came. Listen, the answer of the word of God never changes for any temptation. It never changes. The answer is always the same. It, what God has said, that's what we do. But learn this lesson from deception. It will ask you over and over and over and over again. And every time it asks you, it'll make a better offer. So he said to him, I am a prophet as you are familiarity you know why deception is dangerous because it's not unfamiliar you trust it it doesn't look unusual to you listen the trap never presents the consequence only the credentials come in you're going to like this. I'm an old prophet like you are, man. And then look at this thing. And an angel of the Lord said to me, this, it gets you if you really want. Man, God is inviting you into come and see this with me. I want to tell you, deceivers and deception will get all the words right. But listen, people of God, don't ever judge a deception based on how it sounds. Don't ever judge a deception based on how it looks. Don't ever judge a deception based on how you feel. I'm sure this guy's probably pretty hungry by now. You keep talking about food around me. I get more hungry the more you talk about it. This, this is about third time he's heard about bread and water, right? You judge deception based on the unchanging truth of the Word of God. So a lady in our church sends me a message last week. It's a TikTok video. 
she said, hey, I'm real curious to see what you think about this. And it was this big, muscled-up Christian speaker guy, really cool-looking, right? And he's got a lot of followers. And he's got this post on TikTok, and it's, it's like a, a series. And he's saying, he says, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to do this series on... And, and, and he phrases it like this. Let me find, find the words here. On defeating your enemy, the devil. On defeating your enemy. And, and he says he's, he's going to, to do this series. God has led him to do this series to cover things that other preachers aren't talking about. And I thought, wow. So he's going to fix the rest of us. So already the red flags are flying for me, right? And he starts the video off, the first one of the series, and he says, if you want to defeat your enemy, the devil, you have to know where he came from and what his goals are. Man, that's really enticing. Wouldn't you like to defeat the devil? Make every good Baptist say amen to that. Well, I got good news for y'all from the Word of God. You'll never defeat the devil. There's not a single person in this room who's going to defeat the devil. The Bible never says you'll defeat the devil. The Bible never says I'll defeat the devil. The Bible does say the devil's deceptive. It does say that he's evil. It does tell you in 1 Peter 3 to resist him, to be firm in your faith. It does tell you to get ready for the suffering that he'll bring and the persecution he'll bring to you. It does tell us in Ephesians chapter 6 to stand firm in the full armor of God. James chapter 4 verse 7 tells you to resist the devil and he'll flee from you. It tells you to resist the temptation. It never tells you you're going to defeat him. But the cool dude on TikTok's going to tell you how. So then he goes off into this Hebrew interpretation of the devil coming to Eve and the garden, and he, he really wasn't a serpent, and all this kind of stuff. And that when well, he came to, hey, this is so awesome, y'all. This, this Amber Alert thing, the last three Sundays I've been preaching, one of these has happened. I don't know what God's trying to tell me, but man, it's when I tell our people back home this happened tonight, they're going to bust out laughing, y'all. I mean, I'm telling you, this is amazing. This is like every time I preach now, we get. Somebody's missing. But anyway. So, so he, he goes on into this whole thing about the serpent and preachers tell you he's slithering and all this kind of stuff. But the devil's really an angel of light, which means that he really had legs. And he goes into this whole thing that Eve trusted him and all this kind of stuff. And so the person in my church is texting me saying, well, what do you think about that? And so this is what I send her back. Listen to this. I said, ironically, he seems like a cunning, smooth talker. I wonder what else he's going to try to fix about the way we read the Bible. I said, maybe he's legit. I don't know. But the only way to defeat your enemy is not to know him. I said, the only way, the one, the only way to defeat him is to know the only one who can defeat him. The first Adam failed. The second Adam succeeds. I said, read Romans 5 and 6. See, a pointer to the Word of God. And you know what deception is also is? It's distracting. And dear Christian, I would warn you of this, of being distracted by the, by the 
menial details of things that people want to question so much in the Word of God. So then I said, so the serpent slithered only after sin. Who cares? The story is about how sin entered the world, not how many legs Satan has. I said, deception starts with distraction, and I might add, establishing credentials and trust. So many people have to get into the fine details of biblical stories that they miss the clear call to salvation. And then I said, Satan's a deceiver. One leg, two legs, a hundred legs. It doesn't matter. He's evil, and he's a deceiver, and he wants to devour you. And I said, then I said, if you get two or three videos down the road and that guy doesn't call you to repent of sin and turn to Jesus, but you keep watching those videos, you need to throw your phone in the pond. And that's what deception will do. It'll distract you. It'll present its credentials. It'll be smooth talking. It'll put it out there. And it gets you so sideways that you miss the easy points of what's really going on. I bet you, and man, I don't mean to offend anybody by saying this. I bet you there's people in this room, you're huge prophecy buffs. You love prophecy, and that's cool. That's awesome. You got charts, graphs. You got it all figured out. You know when Jesus comes back, way to go, man. (laughs) But here's my question to you. If you're not ready to go, What's it matter how many charts you got? Jesus only had one message for prophecy. Be ready. If you miss that message, the rest of it doesn't matter. I'm t- this is amazing, y'all. This is amazing. I'm telling you, it's incredible. I'm telling you, this, it's just, it's so, hey, I told y'all the word of God's real. It's real. Satan's at the man, this is amazing. So how does temptation work? It just keeps on coming. The deception keeps coming. James 1.13 says this, Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. God cannot tempt you with evil. He himself tempts no one. How does it work? Each one is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. It's like the conception, the incubation, and the birth of a child. Sin and deception doesn't happen in a moment. It happens over a long period of time. And then when it happens, everything changes. So the man of God goes to the old prophet's house. Verse 20. And they sat at the table and the word of God came to the prophet who brought him back. And he cried to the man of God who came from Judah. Now listen to this. Now the liar. The Bible says he lied to him. Look, look back at verse 18. He says... He says, if the, he spoke to an angel by the word of the Lord saying, bring him back with you into your house that you may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. Now the word of God's coming to a liar? It's amazing the two-edged side of the word of God. Man, when you're living in it, it will bless you. But when you turn against it, it will turn around and curse you. Now he's convicted by the word of God. 
So the word of the Lord now came to the prophet who brought him back. And he cried to the man of God who came from Judah and says, Thus says the Lord, because you disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the command the Lord your God commanded you, but you came back and you ate the bread and you drank the water in the place which you, you said, you said, eat no bread, drink no water. Your body shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. So he saddles the donkey and he sends him home. Verse 24, as he went on his way, a lion met him on the road and killed him. Then a real strange thing happens. As his body was thrown in the road, the donkey stood beside it, and the lion also stood beside the body. And behold, men passed by and saw the body thrown in the road, and the lion standing by the body. And they came and told it in the city where the old prophet lived. I do not like that story. It doesn't seem fair, does it? I mean, I want to look at that story and go, God, that guy lived for you. He, he took a stand. He went in front of a wicked king who could have cut off his hands. And he was bold enough to proclaim the word of God. And he got lied to. And then this, I don't like that. And that story doesn't sit well with me. How's it sitting with you? It really doesn't matter. Because here's the plain truth of this story. One, deception is dangerous. Listen to me, church. Listen, this is a Friday night service, all right? So if you're here tonight, there's only one of two things that are true of you. Either you are incredibly bored and couldn't find anything better to do than this, or you're curious for the things of God, right? And I think it's probably the second. Deception is dangerous. So listen to me, church. Anytime you leave the Word of God, you're being deceived. It doesn't matter how long you've known it. It doesn't matter how firmly you've believed it. It doesn't matter how long you've preached it. Listen, it doesn't matter if you've prayed over your mother-in-law that she would pass through the fire and not be burned and see God do an amazing thing. Listen, as soon as you leave the Word of God, even a man of God walks off into a dangerous place. You see, he gave the right answer. But listen to me. God is not pleased when we give the biblical answer to deception and temptation one time. God is only pleased when we give the biblical answer to deception and temptation every time. You still don't eat the bread. You still don't drink the water. No matter how it feels, no matter how it looks. Boy, if he'd have only known Galatians 1.8. I'm so amazed how easily you've left the gospel that was first preached to you. Even if I or an angel would preach any other gospel to you, 
Let him be accursed. Oh, if that man had just stuck to what God said. Last truth of the story. The almighty God put a lion and a donkey to stand beside the body of that man in the road and other people saw it. Let me ask you this question. If you saw something like that, would you pull over and take another look? I would. <laughs> There's something you don't see every day. We don't have a lot of lions in North Georgia, first of all, right? So that'd be weird in itself. But if you see a lion and a donkey standing there, man, that's a supernatural thing. That's undeniable. The, listen to me. This is a hard truth, y'all. And I want to tell you, this one right here ought to wake us up. The Almighty God will allow your deception and downfall to be a warning to others. You know, Tim and I have been talking a lot and conversing a lot over these last couple of years. A lot of weird things happen at Southern Baptist Convention right now. And Tim, there's a lot of guys you and I admired and loved and knew and wanted to be like. And I look out right now, man, and there's a lot of lions standing by some dead ministries. There's a lot of, lot of guys that, listen, man, they preached. Oh, it was good. Boy, they saw a lot of people saved. People, people that were really used in church in an incredible way. And I look out there and, and now I see a lot of lions standing beside a lot of dead ministries of people who veered a little bit from the Word of God. They were deceived and they were devoured. Now listen to me. This is, what you, this is, this is where the deception will start in your own. Oh, but Brian, listen. Those people just, they must not have been real sincere to start with. Okay, challenge. Find the insincerity in the man of God's story. Show it to me. This guy was doing well for half a chapter. He was dead by the end of it. A lion that the Lord sent devoured him. And his dead body stood as a warning to everybody else who passed by. So here we are in an equip weekend, and all of us agreed at the beginning of the message tonight, man, we'd like to see the manifest power of the Word of God in our generation. I'm going to talk more about it tomorrow night. I'd love to see you back. But I think we could start in no better place in a weekend like this that's about equipping than checking ourselves and seeing how serious we are about following what the Word of God says. Maybe you've been a great teacher. Maybe you've been a great leader. Maybe you've been a great worker, but Man, you've grown tired and weary and rugged in the fight of it all and things are happening. Maybe, maybe you've been discouraged by things happening in your family. Maybe a lot of different things going on in your life. And man, you're just, you're just you're not quite in the Word of God like you used to be.
I'm going to tell you, if that's where you are, you're already being deceived. And those same old questions that used to come to you, that you answered by what God said, now you're considering different answers to those questions. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to wind up deceived and devoured. Get back to the Word of God. I think tonight we need to begin this weekend in this altar, repenting of sin, asking God to refresh us and rejuvenate us, recommit us to to living out His Word, to believing what it says, to being serious about these truths. Because do we not want to see amazing things that God can do? Through answered word, the prayer and the preaching of the word of God, we do want to see that. What program could the Point Church do? What what thing could the, the Point Church put together that would just amazingly reach this area? I want to tell you what it is. You know what it is? The manifest presence of the power of the Holy Spirit of God lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. But that will not happen. I don't care what program you put together if this church is not serious about the Word of God. Every person loving it, wanting it. Listen, you have a Savior who has given you His Word that you may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, That you can go into the world and reprove it and rebuke it and instruct it and exhort it. You can manifest the power of it in the world in which you live. We'll talk more about that tomorrow night. But I want to tell you, if you're veering away, you're about to be deceived and devoured. And the Almighty God does not mind using the downfall of your life as an example to others. I don't care how long you've been doing this and what great things you've seen or done. I want to finish well. I don't don't want my ministry in life to end by just looking over there and going, there's another one. There's another one. He's straight. And all of a sudden, he started answering the questions in a different way. And it got him. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me for just a moment? Your Savior loves you. He has given His Holy Spirit to His people. He has given us His Word. As we get into this invitation time, man, I would beg you above all things... Let's get in this altar. Let's repent of our straying. Let's let's pray for those who've strayed away that that are being deceived. Let's repent ourselves and return to the seriousness of living out the Word of God and still believing God does great things. Oh, man and woman of God, He wants to use you. So I'm going to pray for you. I guess the musicians are going to come. I'm not quite sure how you guys do this.
But after I prayed, man, let's just get on our face before the Lord. Heavenly Father, God, I come before you. Lord, I, I have seen you do amazing things through a tragic time in my family. God, thank you for the way you've answered my wife's prayer to increase our faith. But God, help me not to stray. Lord, these people in this room, many of them have been teaching the Bible for years. They've been serving you faithfully for decades. Maybe there's some students in this room that last year at youth camp, they were fired up. As we go into a new summer, they've kind of slacked off. God, I pray in your grace and mercy tonight you would call us back to a fervor and a fire for the Word of God. Lord, I pray that you would rebuke sin in this church. I pray in Jesus' name that you rebuke division. I pray in Jesus' name that you would rebuke discouragement. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name as the spirits attack this place wanting to stifle the proclamation of the gospel going out from here. God, that tonight you would begin a revival in us, believing strongly that the word of God is the answer and we love it. We want to live it. Lord, revive us again. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? The altar is open. You come. Come on. Let's get before the Lord tonight. Come on. Confess to the Lord every wayward way. If you're tired, tell Him you're tired. If you're weary, tell Him you're weary. If you're discouraged, tell Him you're discouraged. If you've allowed sin to creep into your life, confess it. Father, we come to you tonight, Lord, and we pray back your word. Lord, Psalm 4, answer me when I call, O God of my righteous. Lord, we're begging you to answer us tonight, God. Lord, please hear us pray. Lord, we, we know you are the only answer. You're it. So, Lord, we pray, God, please hear us as we pray tonight. Lord, you give us relief when we are in distress. And, God, there are 
the stressed people in this church tonight. God, relieve them of their distress. God, you worked an amazing thing in our family's life. Lord, we were so distressed, but Lord, you relieved Sheila of any pain. You relieved Wes of all suffering, of prolonged suffering. God, we we are sorrowful for their loss, but God, thank you for the witness to my family that the word of God is true. And that you, you led us through fire and we were not burned. Lord, be gracious to us. Hear our prayer. Lord, there are men who would want to turn our honor into shame. Lord, they give us vain words and they come after us with lies. Lord, how long will you let them continue? But we know, Lord, that you have set apart the godly for yourself. God, these are your people. They're in this altar crying out to you, God. They're yours. So, Lord, I pray you shower them with your love. Show them how much you love them. You called them. You gave them your spirit. You sent for them your son. The Lord hears when I call him, God, we have been angry. But God, keep us from sin. Help us to be angry at the world. Help us to be angry at sin. But Lord, help us to not get over into it. Lord, when we lay down on our beds tonight and we ponder these thoughts in our heart, Lord, as we kneel in this altar and we offer right sacrifices to you, Lord, I pray that you help us to put our trust in the Lord. Lord, there are many who say to us, who will show us some good? Lord, the world's testing us. They, they don't think any of this is real. And so, God, this church is bowing in this altar tonight, praying, Lord, that you would manifest the power of your word through them, that you would call sinners to repentance because they see you working in this place. God, they desire this. Lift your face to shine upon this church, O oh Lord. Oh, God, you have put more joy in our heart than there is when the grain and the wine abound. Oh, Lord, in peace, we come to you and pray tonight. We lie in the safety of your surrounding us and filling us with your Holy Spirit. For you alone, O oh Lord, can do these things. And we pray this to you, our God. In Jesus' name, amen.